We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, February 17th, 2017. DJ Trainer here joined by Shannon McEwen and Ken K. Train Kreitz. All aboard! Feel free to find us on Twitter at TrainerDJ, at RotoShannon, and at Ken Kreitz. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, and directly on the Rotowire website itself. We are officially in all-star weekend two games last night ken so we do have a little bit of breaking news um before ken gets into the news i definitely want to say that ken is a celtics fan so uh, (laughs) with that in mind ken take it away yes completely unbiased news item number one the bulls beat the celtics 104 103 on a end of game non-foul foul by marcus smart on jimmy butler did i mention that foul was total Apparently, allegedly, Marcus Smart breathed improperly on uh, Jimmy Butler's elbow. You know, Celtics were on the road. Bulls are going to get that call at home. But this will lead nicely to my rant later in the pod. Ken's old man rant. It's the hottest thing around in in NBA Eh. sports right now. Uh, Uh, For the 60 and over set. For the hottest thing. Yeah. It's Uh, like those, it's as popular as those things that hold your socks up. What do you call those? Sock garters? Oh my gosh, those things still exist. I Uh, don't know. (laughs) So I saw the foul. Um, Basically, it looked like Marcus Smart got his middle finger, if you will, on the elbow of Jimmy Butler. Not much credit is going to Butler for knocking down both of those free throws, by the way. Um, He very easily could have missed both of them or missed one. Um, But, you know, it it definitely was a tough one to go into the All-Star break. When you say foul, you were using air quotes, right? You said you saw the air quote foul. Well, I mean, by the letter of the law, you can't touch a guy's elbow when he's shooting. Otherwise, it's called a foul, and that's what was called last night, Shannon. I saw more more ridiculous calls uh, than that. In the game I went to, the Bucks Pistons game this week. So, I mean, I don't think it's a foul that should be called. Yeah, but Bill, if that worse. call was if that foul was called on Bill Lambeer, he would have walked over to the referee and ripped out his his uh, his throat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, you know, Rick, 
Rick Mahorn would just manhandle people in the key, and they're calling like improper breath on Smart. I will say Smart also has a bad rep with the refs. He kind of whines a little, and he is pretty physical on D, which is usually good. But a lot of things working against the C's in that in that call. Yeah, it, it was a tough one, uh, especially heading into the break. Um, ideally, it probably wouldn't have been called. I'm, I'm certainly willing to admit that, as most people are. Also, if anybody was watching ESPN last night or any other um, you know, clip show, uh, the, the highlight of the ref seeing the action, then watching the ball rim out, and then calling the foul is, is extraordinarily hard to swallow. Uh, right. That, right. That's like, the worst eh, part if he makes it, it, I won't call it, and if he does right. make it, it reminds me of like the bookie days. Who was the ref that got caught uh, gambling and had Donnie. debts? Yeah, it was almost like I've got the bulls in this. I'm gonna let's see if that oh doesn't go out. Uh, whistle. Yeah, that was a. Rough <laughs> that's just a joke. That's just a joke. I do not think that referee is gambling, but yeah, uh, yeah Donaghy. Yeah, yeah, Tim. It was not Tim Donaghy out there. Uh, <laughs> but on a brighter side, Ken Isaiah Thomas did something pretty special last night. King in the fourth. He extended his 20-plus points scoring streak to 41 games, passing Celtic legend. I was going to quiz you guys, but you're probably looking right at the notes. But uh, John Havlicek. Did you think Havlicek would have been the one to have the uh, record for most 20-point games? Anyway, Havlicek had 40. Here's my Johnny Post, Johnny Most uh, impersonation. You ready? Havlicek steals the ball. Havlicek steals the ball. That's good. It's not very good. No, that's, uh, right. yeah. that's better than better mine. Um, I would have guessed Larry Bird <laughs> or course. Paul Pierce, yes. probably. Yeah. Actually, you know who was third? See if you can guess who's third. Not Larry Bird. Um, um, Fatwan. Fatwan no. Walker. No. No. <laughs> no. No, but I like the nickname. No. Keep going. Glenn Big Baby Davis. <laughs> <laughs> He had the team record for most trips to the buffet in one post game. <laughs> I mean, it uh, seems like the obvious answer. Kevin Lumi- McHale. Oh, okay. Kevin McHale. Sure, that yep. makes sense. I, I didn't want to grind this podcast to a halt, so I. <laughs> but I mean, uh, Shannon, you're riding Thomas to what you hope will be a, a, a keeper league title, right? I am. He's. I mean, dude, he's been fantastic. He's. We're going to talk about him a little bit more later. Um, in the podcast, and he's been one of the biggest surprises this year in my mind. Um, yes, he was drafted as a third or fourth round pick, but he's been a top fifteen player. And no one expected. Well, you know what I love about it. it. You know what I love about it too. The free throw percentage, the draining ninety percent. Is it ninety one even? You know, it's so clutch, not just for fantasy, but for winning basketball when your best ball handler is also the team's best free throw shooter. Because just get at the end of the game. Get the ball in his hands. In a high volume, too. I mean, 8.8 attempts per game. You wouldn't expect that from someone who's 5'9". You just don't see it from most diminutive guards. They're not going to the line that much. He goes to the hole. He goes to the hole and can hit threes. I mean, that's why he's in the MVP discussion. Do you you agree with him being in the MVP discussion, DJ? Yes, most definitely. I think he's obviously in third place right now, but he at least deserves to be in the conversation. I don't think that's far-fetched in any way. Ken, I know you're a Celtics homer, but I, I certainly think it's it's a three-man race for MVP. Um, I'm a little bit interested to see what LeBron James has to say. I was say. say it's a four-man yeah, race. Yeah, probably a four-man race because we always – you know, we're always looking for the new best and greatest, and we've done that with Russell Harden and, and now IT. Um, but, you know, if you if you go, again, by who is actually the most valuable player in the league, and we always like to say who's also on the best team, then you have to consider LeBron James. And with Kevin Love out, believe it or not, LeBron James's usage rate might even go up even higher. Uh, let's shift yeah. gears here, Ken, and finish up with some news uh, out in Philadelphia. Yeah, Brett Brown, coach of the Sixers, said on Wednesday that they expect Simmons, uh, getting over his foot injury, expect him to debut some point after the All-Star break. I'm not sure that's really news, but it's extremely intriguing. Unfortunately, bad news for one of the pod's favorite players. That means the cockroach. McDonald's might have some problems with playing time minutes, but... uh, what are your thoughts on the Sixers rotation and Simmons coming back? It's Who's McDonaldson? <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally screwed that up. I, I was like, oh, shit. I'm blanking on the. TJ McConnell. 
McConnell, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry. I, I want to see, so Simmons is scheduled to have a CT scan on February February 23rd. I want to see what comes from that. Um, obviously, for now, you just keep stashing them, but there's there might be a point, there still might be a point later, like in the next week or two, where you have to make a decision. Do you continue to stash them, or do you pick up someone who can help you during the, the season-long playoffs? We, I isn't, don't know. isn't the I don't problem going to be, be, Shannon, that even if he comes back, it's going to be like Embiid in the, where it's like play a game, sit a game. You know, the Sixers seem quite clear that they're not they're not going to force him in back-to-backs. No, absolutely. You know? Even if he comes back, we're not going to see him play 30 minutes in a game this year. Right. I mean— So between if, the minutes restriction and the rest, his per minutes may be fantastic, but the quantity of time will kill, could kill you. I'm not sure exactly how many games Philadelphia has left, but most teams are in that, like, 25-game uh, range. Okay. Yeah. And 25 games, you're not going to do a lot with that. And you you can chop off the last five games because a lot of season-long fantasy leagues and their playoffs end mm-hmm. before those final few games. So yeah. you're talking about 20 games worth production, and it's a guy who maybe will only play every other game and yeah. play 20 minutes a game. You guys are beating around the bush. Drop him in all leagues. Why would anybody have Ben Simmons to this point? I, I want to I hear an argument why you would have him. He's not going to play full <laughs> minutes. He's not going to play yeah. in every single game. And can I mention, please, uh, real quickly, he's never played an NBA game ever. I know he's one of the best prospects in the last few years, but this guy still has never even played in the NBA. I don't know and why his, anybody would waste a roster spot on him in, a se- in only a season-long if league. You're, if it's a deep league where there's no one who's a top 200 player available, that, that's the only scenario. That's the scenario. Or a keeper league, obviously. Be. His shooting percentage could also be brutal these first few games, too. Well, not even that. Over the course of his career, his shooting percentage might be brutal. Right, Um, right. But especially after being injured, facing NBA speed for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, so so to Ken's credit, um, when he does come back, in terms of fantasy importance, to me what's more important is that the cockroach, TJ McConnell, and even Sergio Rodriguez – uh, it'll be harder to deploy them more consistently if you've been doing that already because there's just a wrench thrown into the mix in Ben Simmons if and when he does come back. I will say a recent MRI on Ben Simmons' foot showed that it was not completely healed, uh, adding further reason to the skeptics, and they're not really skeptics anymore, that Ben Simmons won't even play at all this season. That certainly is within the realm of possibility. That's it for news, because there's really not that much news heading into All-Star mm-hmm. break, but it is time for Ken's Crazy Old Man Rant. Yeah. Ticky-tack fouls. I hate them. What happened to the days when refs would swallow their whistles at the end of games, dreading the possibility that the Zebras would be responsible for the outcome? Those were good times. And how is it a shooter can jump into a defender... Yet it's a foul on the defender. This is dangerous ground for me because, frankly, Isaiah Thomas of the Celtics, the king of the fourth, he's great at this. He's one of the best at drawing contact, getting sympathy for his diminutive size, and picking up light contact fouls. But watching free throws is boring. I'm tired of it. And defenders should have the right to jump straight up. Blocks are exciting. I want more blocks. Uh, there's been a lot of talk this offseason that they may give defenders their vertical airspace, that they don't have to be on their feet. Uh, and I hope they do make that change because I just feel like there's too many too many free throws, which means too many stoppage of plays, which just means boring viewing. Do you guys feel like there are a little too many ticky-tack fouls called nowadays? Yes. Yes, I do. Um, but but you know me. I'm the guy who gets tacked up in rec league games and, and yells at refs. So. <laughs> Of course, of course, I believe that it's it's because of your love of the game, Shanuski. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm my surprised passion. you said that uh, on the pod. Now your squeaky clean image is gone, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if it wasn't the adult film work, now it's the the ticky tack. Now it's the technical fouls that's really throwing a wrench into Shanuski's image. Hmm. So I, as somebody who did not grow up in the same era as you guys, you know, uh, we're sitting in Shannon's office, which doubles as our second media room. And he's got uh, 
newspaper articles posted up from the Detroit Piston bad boys. Obviously, those guys, no ticky-tacket files involved there. Um, but for me, somebody who didn't grow up watching those types of games, uh, I agree that there's too many ticky-tack fouls. Um, when you have a player as frail as Steph Curry able to be a superstar in the league, then you know that things have changed a little bit from back in the days um, when you went to the hole and, and you know you, you went to the hospital right after. Um, <laughs> So I, I agree that it's a little bit ticky-tacky. That being said, the game is more popular than ever. Um, it really yeah. has opened it itself up to more scoring. Uh, it's evolved. It's changed. Although I wish that you know people could foul a little bit harder. And if you got touched on the elbow, you wouldn't be called for a foul. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, there's got to be some medium between the Jeff Van Gundy, Nick days where sure. every game was 85 to 82. And this like nowadays where everything's over 100 points and they're calling every little foul it's I, actually though it's just the stoppage of play that's the biggest bummer for me commercials just, man you got to make your money yeah yeah the, the the best thing about the olympics recently is that they use more international rules than what they use in europe and the final four minutes of the game go a lot quicker and there's not just a, a timeout three three times in every minute and i think people enjoyed that quite a bit yeah and you're seeing a lot of your uh not that we're national nba media pundits but some of the bigger guys who who really enjoyed that style of play really vouching for it and maybe moving forward that's something adam silver will consider um Let's, did I hear them talking? Did I hear them talking that they actually might reduce the timeouts, take away a twenty or something? Well, that seems like the most logical answer yeah. to me. Um, especially over in Europe, they don't play with nearly as many timeouts as we do in the NBA. I think it's it's obsessive, and of course, the coaches aren't going to say, um, you know, we wish the the style of play was faster and there weren't so many timeouts. They're going to play within whatever rules you use them to govern them. So, of course, they're going to use all the timeouts. But I don't think anybody would, you know, scream and holler if you took away one of the full timeouts and even one of the half timeouts. So let's just start, you know, kind of small and inch our way forward. Um, let's switch gears here uh, to the meat of this podcast. We're going to talk about the biggest disappointments, disappointments so far this season, our favorite surprise players so far this season, and some candidates we have as second-half potential breakout players. We'll kick it off with biggest disappointments. And Shannon, you have somebody that's been in the news lately. Uh, that's Serge Ibaka switching teams from the Orlando Magic to the Toronto Raptors. You have Serge Ibaka as one of your biggest disappointments so far this season. Feel free to elaborate. Ibaka's been fine. He's top, top 50 player still on, on Yahoo per game average. He ranks 47th. But he was drafted in the second, third, early fourth rounds. His preseason rank was 27. You kind of expected after, after he went from a Thunder team with Durant and Westbrook and he was the clear third option going to Orlando where he might be the first or second option that he would see an uptick across the board. That hasn't happened. He's averaging 15 points, one and a half three-pointers, 6.8 rebounds, all good stats. 1.6 blocks, good, but not the 2.7 or close to three blocks that he used to average. So it's just it's it's the fact that he hasn't stepped up his game more and he's actually seen a decline in some options. The increased three-point shooting's great, but for a guy his size, he doesn't rebound enough. He's not blocking as many shots as he did before. So to me, he's he's a disappointment. If he's that, not, that he, mad that magic trade was so weird, and then it got weirder when they signed Bayumbo. And then they're you know, you're forcing Gordon to play out of position. That just seemed like such a mess. I, uh, gosh, I wish I had it. There were, I was some uh, beat writer in Orlando did like tracked all the terrible trades the Magic have made over the last three years and how they have nothing to show for like Aladipo and um, oh gosh, I wish I had that. But uh, Indiv- I don't know, just individually, terrible team. Individually, their moves. I don't hate any of the moves individually, but collectively, collectively. none of them fit together. They're all yeah. corner pieces to the to the same puzzle. So you have like eight corner pieces when you only need four. It just doesn't work. Uh, so I'm with you, Ken. I don't think there's a single move that collectively has made sense for that team. Yeah, um, it, it's tough when you, you have to look at them individually. Um, in fact, uh, that's what a lot of people are talking about right now, right? So, Ken, the, the, the point of view that you're looking at is they basically traded away uh, Ursan Ilyasova, Victor yeah. Oladipo and I think a pick and they ended up with Terrence Ross and a late first round pick. And so that's one way to view it. And they the gave she, up a weird pick for Ilyasova before that. Like there's a long. Right. right. Uh, they gave up Thad Young for Ilyasova. So you could argue they gave up Oladipo and that 
and that um, not Thad Young, sorry, Harris. Tobias, um, yeah, Tobias, Tobias Harris, Harris right, Sabonis, right, Sabonis. Right. Yeah. yeah, so you take right. all these players and what you're left with is Terrence Ross and a late first-round pick in this year's draft. So that's one way to view it. Right. The other way, like Shannon said, is you know you have to look at the, the resources that were there um, when those individual trades were made. The big caveat here is all those trades were made like in the last eight months or so, so it's really hard to, yeah. uh, to I, not, I think to not lesson- look at it in totality. The lesson in the magic from the magic is when you say a guy's a tweener, that's a bad thing, not a good thing. They had a bunch of guys, Oladipo, even Vucevic, um, Gordon, a bunch of guys who are like, oh, he's a, you know, he's a, he's kind of a half point guard, half shooting guard, or oh, half small forward, half power forward. It's what's the saying when you do a lot of things okay, you do nothing well. Jack of all trades, jack but of all of trades, none. master of none. Thank you, sir. Exactly. Yes, that. They got all these tweeners. Oh, and by the way, none of the tweeners can shoot. (laughs) Yeah. Bad move. Don't do that. Yeah. No, you're dead on there. I mean, obviously some mistakes were made. Um, Rob Rob Hennigan. uh, And that's what tough. Waylon and I talked about this, I believe, on the Tuesday podcast is sometimes the owner of a franchise will go to the GM and say, you have to make the playoffs this year or else you're getting fired, you and your whole staff. And so some (laughs) of the decisions made by the GM in the front office seem irrational. Win now, you know, hire Frank Vogel, get Serge Ibaka, get Biombo. And in the long term, it makes absolutely no sense. But when you consider that maybe somebody's fighting for their job um, because they have to make the playoffs and the eight seed would count and they would retain their job moving into the next year, then maybe some of these decisions start to become rational. Um, But essentially the trading of Ibaka away um, was the signal that essentially said, we messed up. Oops, you know, our yeah. bad. Um, let's keep it moving here. Talk about some more disappointments. Two guys in particular that I think have been incredibly disappointing this year and might not be on uh, the first and foremost thought when you think about biggest disappointments, Doug McDermott and Nikola Miritich. Now, coming into the season, we had a roster composed of a starting five that could not shoot from beyond the arc. They desperately needed um, to stretch the court. When you have Rondo, Wade, and Butler, it just doesn't work. You don't have enough spacing, especially in today's NBA. And so it seemed like a natural fit that Doug McDermott and Miritich, one of those two, and maybe even both, would have to be on the court just to get some separation, spread the court, and they have been unable to step up. And what that has signaled to me, and feel free to step in right after, guys, and and feel free to disagree or agree, um, that if they can't step up in this situation when a team desperately needs them, I don't know why anyone would expect them to be decent and reliable NBA players moving forward because they aren't going to have a better situation to perform than they did this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I agree 100%. The opportunity was now. They both they both have blown it. It really is amazing, too. I mean, Miritich was preseason rank at 71, so people, we were high on him going into the season. He's averaging nine points and five rebounds. The five rebounds is decent enough for him, uh, but he's just not shooting well. 38% from the floor, 30% from downtown. I mean, he's getting five attempts from downtown each game. He's just not hitting them. Uh, You really would have expected to see an increase from last year, but the numbers across the board have all dipped a little bit. Um, So he's the more disappointing of the two in my eyes just because there was higher expectations. Uh, McDermott, as a lottery pick just a couple years ago, he hasn't done much yet. He hasn't seized the opportunity. I certainly think he's had it. Um, he's averaging a career high in minutes, points per game, but it's not enough. Uh, you'd expect more from a guy uh, with with his pedigree, and yeah. it's just not there yeah. yet. He's only shooting 37% from downtown. Uh, yeah. I mean, they both have what the Bulls need. They're just not, they're not providing it. Shannon, let's get into a disappointment that you and I both agree on. Veteran down in San Antonio, the Spaniard, Pau Gasol. It's he's been bad, right? I mean, <laughs> yes. Well, here's we've talked about bad. this before. He's, he's been, only played in 39 games. His stats have been bad, but you guys had to realize that moving to this system, they were going to take care of him, and there's going to be a firm demarcation between regular season Pau Gasol on the Spurs and postseason Pau Gasol. Yeah, on but the, Spurs. The, the per minutes and the, everything's down. Of course it is. Yeah, he's, he I thought at least his assist would be up. You know, I thought his assist would be up. Uh, I don't know. I didn't expect him to repeat last year. Last year, he was damn good. I mean, almost 19 points, 11 rebounds, was playing near 32 minutes per game for Chicago. I mean, I expected those things to dip a little bit. I didn't expect him to dip by five minutes per game. He's only averaging 26 minutes per game now, 
down to 11 and a half points, eight rebounds. And he's shooting worse from the free. He's hitting 64% from the free throw line. It's just all. So here's yeah. here's the reason why that this, this is not surprising to me. 36 years old. Well, LaMarcus Aldridge came from Portland to San Antonio. 23 points, 23 and a half points in his last year in Portland, down to 18 his first year in San Antonio. He was 28 years moving to 29 years old, so it's not like he fell off the edge of the cliff. Uh, Minutes went from 35.4 down to 30.6. I mean, this is just what happens even when you're very, very good and you move to the Spurs. I mean, it's just just something you have to factor in. Given given he had... Given he, he was a couple years younger, I expected Paul Gasol to at least match Tim Duncan's production from last year. Duncan averaged 14 and 9 last season, and he was playing 29 minutes per game. Gasol's not even getting that. I assumed he was just going to step right into Duncan's role, give you the same production, same amount of minutes, and he's not. I'm sorry, that was from the previous season, 2014-2015, that, that Tim Duncan averaged that. That's a good way to look at it, is that at least he should have done what Tim Duncan is. I, I think that's a fair way to do it. But again, I mean, Ken, wouldn't you agree with me that if, if, if Pau Gasol goes out and plays 36 minutes a game in the playoffs, that that also would not surprise you? Like, they've been waiting oh, yeah. this whole season yeah. for him to play a large load in the playoffs. Yep, yep. And they're going to be slow in bringing him back now, too. I mean, there's no reason to rush him back. They're deeply entrenched as number two seed out west. I don't know how bad his finger issue is. Um, we'll see when he comes back after the break. All right, well, my, my last biggest disappointment is myself, the K-Train. I'm looking right <laughs> in the mirror. You know, I was so high on Nikola Joka coming into this season, and I'm in an auction league. It's almost 20-year-old auction league with my grad school friends. I was sa- kept saving and saving and saving my cash to go get him in this very shallow league. It's only 10, only 10 teams. I got him. I was all excited. Then Coach Malone tries to force him to play with the Dirty Nurkic. That didn't work. And then he benches him and had like a run of eight terrible games in a row not getting minutes. And in this shallow league, like an idiot, I drop Jokic just before he explodes. And, you know, (laughs) the Nuggets finally do exactly what they should do, which is give him every minute possible and dump Nurkic, which they wisely did, not even waiting to the end of the trade deadline. It's like, you know, the first – it's almost like – you almost feel like Plumlee was just the first offer they got. They're like, Plumlee, yeah, sure, deal, done, take him. Shannon, would you agree with me that you you should not be able to own a player if you can't pronounce his his (laughs) name the same way twice? There would be no one on my roster. Jimmy (laughs) Butler would be the only one on my team. I, I, you're not the only one who dropped him, but you're right. You are one of the biggest disappointments of this whole of this whole segment for for dropping arguably the fantasy wonder boy of the season. Yeah, who I was, you know, I mean, my whole strategy was to go get him, and then I just turned my back on him. Uh, I got a couple more players here. Chandler Parsons. Does anybody remember him? He plays for Memphis. Max contracts. Max contracts. Yeah, he, yeah. He plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. He actually starts. He sees decent minutes, twenty-five minutes a game, and he has been shooting incredibly bad this season. He's shooting thirty-five percent from the field, from beyond the arc, which is essentially the whole reason why they brought him in there. Twenty-seven percent. It's gotten so bad that he's even tweeting texts. He tweeted one out, or tweeting texts. Jeez, uh, he even tweeted out something like, "Dear basketball, please go in the hoop, babe. Thanks." You know, you're playing really bad when you feel like you need to address it on Twitter. Um, Wait. DJ, are you a fanboy? Are you just following every move Parsons makes? He's active on social media, especially this year, because a lot of people have been ragging on him, <laughs> including you know official opposing team twitters. And he, well, he, he responds. Very- That's the best part. Um, so some reality. TV- Has he responded to any of your notes? Well, I, I don't tweet bad about him. I don't, I don't get into that too much. There's no Valentine's Day messages or anything sent Parsons way. Well, okay. Well, now I feel now I do feel like a fanboy. But I think he tweeted out like some e Valentine's Day cards with a shirt off that you could send to your loved one. Anyways, all right, we're we're in too deep right now. Let's move on. Derek Favors is somebody I'm also disappointed in this season. Um, oh, yeah. Perhaps most disappointing is the fact that. Utah Jazz might be realizing that a Favors-Gobert front court is not in their long-term future, which seems a little crazy to me, considering that Favors is only 25 years old and Gobert is, is, is not even 25 years old yet. So uh, he's the only averaging... Killing, the season's killing Favors' trade value, too, so yeah, it's going to be harder to... 
Right. He's not averaging. He's not even averaging 24 minutes per game. His averages are down all over the place. In fact, the only thing he's doing better at is he's averaging 0.1 three pointers compared to zero over the course of his career. His his free throw, field goal, everything is completely down. This is somebody Shannon that a lot of people drafted pretty highly, and they were hoping that he'd be a reliable fixture in their lineup. I would actually argue he's a decent player to target for the second half. If if you're looking for someone to acquire before your trade deadline, I kind of like buying low on favors. His minutes are creeping up. He's averaging 24 minutes per game over the past couple weeks. He's shooting 55% from the floor, so that's solid. Only only 9.6 rebounds, but he's getting you 1.6 steals. The blocks usually come. They they haven't been there this year. I, I think for the Jazz... Him and Gobert, it's kind of repetitive. You know, you need you in today's NBA, you need that four who can stretch the floor a little bit. Favors doesn't really offer that, so it wouldn't surprise me if they trade him, like in the off season, for instance. Um, but he's certainly been a disappointment from a fantasy standpoint. I don't think he's going to earn you a third or fourth round value for the second half of the season, like he was drafted as. Um, but I think he could be better than he's been up to up to date and, and be a top 100 player for the last 20 25 games of the season um, what sucks so the favors too is what sucks the favors is after five years of impre- increasing his free throw percentage he's now regressed back to all the way down back down to 63 and a half percent his worst since his rookie year just another anger reason but you're right by a low candidate yeah, no, I like that quite a bit. You have Trey Lyles in waiting. I've never been high on Lyles, but I know James Anderson, Nick Whalen still are. Um, that's your prototypical stretch for. Um, and that you, everyone is probably willing to admit that Favors is still a much better player than Trey Lyles. But when we're talking about efficiency, where the league is headed, it perhaps makes a lot more sense to start Lyles <laughs> next to Rudy Gobert. All right, I covered all my guys. It looks like Shannon still has one left that he wants to talk about again. We talked about Ibaka, but now his front court mate, Jonas Valanciunas, is somebody that you have not been elated in this season. Yeah, Valanciunas, he was drafted as the top 50 player. He's only, he's only about top 80 value so far this season based on per-game averages. And the big reason why, it's not necessarily his production. If production's fine. He's averaging 12.5 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, just under one block. His percentages are really strong, but he's only getting 27 minutes per game. And DJ, you and that's going to get worse. Is that going to get worse with Ibaka? I think it will. It might. It might because they certainly like to run out smaller lineups. I, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's just it. I I'm confused because and we talked about this last season a lot. You used to rip me because I liked Valanciunas so much, mm-hmm. but his per minute production is stellar. Like it's all star level for a center. He just doesn't ever get the minutes. I don't understand it. Even, uh, you know, about 10 days ago, he had a nice stretch where he, he was averaging basically 20 and 9 over a three game stretch. And then the last two games, he plays 22 minutes, 20 minutes. Cheney came out two weeks ago. Cheney came out with a quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he, and I, I, he, he said, Valentinus needs to quote unquote dominate for me to keep him in there or I'm going small. Like he just prefers small ball. And that's why I think we're going to see Ibaka playing some center. They also like the defense, Lucas Nogueira, the Brazilian, and I'm probably mispronouncing that name as well, but they, well, they do love you'll his like defense this. off the bench. Yeah, Ken, you'll like this. People call him Bebe, B-E-B-E. I do it, like that. It's it's Lucas Nogueira. Uh, which Nogueira. You're, you're pretty Thank close. You. There's a lot of vowels in there, so I was expecting that to go <laughs> terribly awry. But people call him Bebe. Baby. He's, he's going to be your new favorite player. He's he's fun. I like the hair. I like the yeah, hair. His hair is awesome. I might he's, go with I might go with that next. He's year. super. He's super lanky. I know Kevin yeah. Durant didn't like the name the Slim Reaper, but maybe we can give that to Bebe. That's a good he's, one. Yeah. Ooh, um, I've like, got like. I've got one. Before we move on to surprising player, one one more disappointing player, Oladipo. It's the other side of that Abaka trade. Oladipo was drafted as a second round pick this season. I always hated that. And yeah, he's that. he's about seventy fifth overall right now. Again, he's doing fine, but the fact that people drafted him in the second, third rounds, just it was amazing to me at the time. Amazingly, amazingly dumb at the time. Yeah, and, and that's just proven out. I mean, he's a good player. Sixteen points, four and a half rebounds, gets you steals, shooting threes better than he ever has, almost two per game. Um, but. If you drafted him as a second or third round player, I can't imagine your team's faring too well right now. The first mock draft I saw where he was and he was taken 
in the first round, this was back, I guess it would have been late summer. I was absolutely dumbfounded. I, I did yeah. not believe it whatsoever. Yeah. And if you look at his averages, besides assists, he's doing almost the exact same thing he's always yep. done. He's the exact same <laughs> player, and he should have been drafted as such as well. Um, yeah, but that's a good one to point out there because I'm sure a lot of people are disappointed in him, but they shouldn't be. He's doing they basically the be. exact same thing. Let's switch gears here, guys. Um, to favorite, Happy faces, gentlemen. Happy, happy faces. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, let's switch gears in our mentality as well. Favorite surprise players so far. I'll kick things off real quickly and say that Avery Bradley used to be on this list, but he's been hurt for a long time, games. and he's no longer oh. on this list. Uh, favorite of the pod, Otto Porter. Um, I think people have caught on to this point, um, that we're not screaming his name you know, into the mics each week saying, you got to get him, you got to get him. He's valuable across the board. As a fantasy community and even as an NBA community, people have caught on to Otto Porter, one of the better young players in the league. He fits in seamlessly with the Washington lineup. Washington, by the way, is absolutely crushing it. They're one of the best teams in the league. I think he's leading the league in three-point shot percentage, isn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think he is as well. And not, not only... 46.5%. Yeah. yeah, not only that, but his field goal percentage is great. It's at 53, considering he's shooting 11 he's hitting shots over, per game. Yeah. And that's two plus threes a game. You're shooting 54, almost 54% from the field, draining two threes a game. Who else? Who does that? Yeah, and, and half a block per game when you're talking about a player that is steal and forward, a half. eligible, steal and a half. He's doing it all over the place. And in NBA, more so than you know other sports, you have to realize that those categories matter just as much as points and assists and rebounds. And so they're not as sexy, but they're just as equal, equally as important. Um, so no surprises I rem- there. I remember this summer, everyone was like, uh, you know, analysts are kind of ragging on the Wizards and say, like, oh, their only chance for upside is if Porter, you know, Porter keeps growing his game and then they sort of snicker, snicker. But that, I think that's like exactly what's happened. That's why they're challenging in the East. Porter's really blossomed and he's only 23. Yeah, it's nice. They've brought him along slow, which is kind of the Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard plan. There's nothing wrong with that. He didn't make a lot of noise in his rookie year despite being drafted very high. Um, he's come along slow. He's a solid player, but somebody that you want to talk about, Shannon, one of his teammates, Bradley Beal, has been one of your favorite surprise players to date. Just want to say quickly that you actually traded me, Bradley Beal, in our staff keeper league. I don't want to get into that too much because it was contract-based. But uh, what have you liked out of Beal so far? I, the biggest surprise with Beal is probably the fact that he stayed healthy. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of been his bugaboo the past few years. So the fact that he's played 51 games already, he's only four more games, and he matches last year's total. Um, the, the, the fact that he's healthy has also meant an increase in playing time. He, he's bumped it up three minutes from last season. And he's averaging career highs across the board, 22.2 points per game, uh, 3.7 assists, which is very actually like underrated. That, that helps. Uh, 2.9 three-pointers, so one of the best three-point shooters in the league as well. Um, decent percentage. Did I see him? Was he recently whining that he got left off of the All-Star team even though Love – like he was saying, he should have been filled in for it, love to the I mellow. I don't know if it was him. It was, it was, it was him. Oh, and it was his him? Agent. Both of them, actually. Okay. Well, him and a lot of other people in the media. Yeah. 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 There, was, there were quotes from him, his agent, uh, a lot of teammates. Um, to me, it just makes sense to replace a Ford with a Ford. And yeah, Adam exactly. Silver said he picked Carmelo because that's who had the most coaches' votes. That's who was next in line, essentially. So it makes yeah. sense to me. And it's not like another thing is you're going to put B on the four? Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's not like it's not like Carmelo Anthony's having a bad season. Um, he's averaging more points and more rebounds and nearly as right. many assists mm-hmm. as Bradley Beal. So, and frankly, at All Star Game level, you always give the veteran the nod, right? I mean, well, you, that kind of and you give protocol, the, the you know? major market a nod. You, are, right. you already got a guy in the right. Washington D.C. market in there. Why wouldn't you toss yeah. in? Well, I mean, so much All Star and this buzz. And the argument, the feel argument. just unbecoming. It's like it's unbecoming. Why don't you worry about the Wizards doing better? The you know, argu- really, you're obsessed about All Star game. Well, that's yeah. why the the argument was because the Wizard, Wizards are doing better yeah. because they're a top seven yeah. team in the NBA compared to New York, who blows. But you know, you've got you've got the Wizards. They're doing great. They're we on call- this amazing run. Can we name use that phrase for the name of today's podcast, the blows butt episode? Blows butt, just one T, but. Oh, I, like oh I, oh, I didn't get that word play. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough decision. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all, all the stuff I already need to bleep out of this podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah. No I one. Mean, 
No one's listening to the second half, DJ. Don't worry that's, about it. That's true. Um, <laughs> so everybody's hurt. I mean, somebody's feelings invariably gets hurt come this time. Uh, Damian Lillard has really been the punching bag for that for the last couple of years. Paul Millsap uh, has, has been one of those guys. Isaiah Thomas, um, the guys in Toronto a couple of years ago as well. Um, so it's just what happens. I mean, this is going to happen every single yeah. year. We're always going to look at the guy that just missed it and say, oh, this is, this is egregious. This isn't fair. But you know what? It's going to happen every single year. So everybody's got to deal with it. Ken, um, favorite surprise player for you, Kyle Lowry. Uh, yeah, let's stick with Kyle Lowry first. Um, he's been yeah, playing I've got kind of a big well. name and a small name. I mean, Lowry's a stud. There's no doubt about it. But it's amazing to me, at 30 years old, he's still improving every year. This year, big jump in field goal percentage. He's a career 42%, but he's shooting 46.3%. And um, his made threes are way up. He's, he's hitting 3.3 a game after a career average of 1.6. It's just so impressive to me that he improves every year. And he kind of had that label how many years ago of being a malcontent. But he's clearly a team leader. And then uh, to a lesser extent in deeper leagues, really like how Patrick Beverly's been playing since he returned. You know, Despite the knee issue that forced him to miss some games early and then all the talk of moving James Harden to point guard and actually getting the ball in Harden's hands even more, Beverly's numbers are actually better. They're better. It's two more rebounds per game and one more assist per game. Plus, the free throws are up to 81% from 68% last year. Anyway, super deep leagues. Beverly's a nice option. Per game average, Beverly's rank is 58 on Yahoo. Um, you know, he's yeah. one of those Trevor Ariza. Uh, mm-hmm. Shane Battier types that we've talked about in the past. He's got 1.73 pointers and 1.5 steals. You do that, you're going to have, and with the solid free throw percentage, for instance, mm-hmm. you're going to be ranked really high. Um, do probably, not ignore steals. No. Too many leagues, too many guys ignore steals. So, on top of that, uh, you would think with James Harden taking over 100% of the point guard duties when Harden is on the floor, that perhaps uh, Beverly's assists would have gone down. Right. But over February and January, he's averaging 4.4 assists. That's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's a considerable margin. In fact, that's going to put him at the upper percentile really across the league because uh, yeah. only, there's only point guards and maybe a few other position players that average more than four assists. So he's helping you out all over the place. Um, and, yeah, Ken, that's a, that's a great name to mention, that he is one of the many players benefiting from James Harden and, and D'Antoni connect, connecting. Yeah, the new Houston. system. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's get to the bold prediction portion of the pod. DJ, let's start with you, sir. Who's your breakout player? We call it the second half. There's really only about 25 games left. And as Shannon pointed out, not all those games count in all seasons. But who's your breakout for, the, for the, uh, these, these 25 games? No surprises here. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray of the Nuggets uh, last week. I took some heat for projecting him to have a stat total that ultimately didn't come to fruition. Shannon, I do need to make an apology to you. Um, I think I said that something about 32 points in 10 assists, and then I discredited the fact that I said 32 points, but I went back and listened to that podcast. I totally said 32 points, which is just <laughs> stupid. Um, so my bad on that you know, one. You, you pronounced every name properly. That's true. That's, that's a fair, fair point, Ken. Um, so Jamal Murray playing shoot, shooting guard out in Denver. Uh, they like him at point guard. We discussed this on last week's pod that perhaps he's the point guard in waiting, even more so than Emmanuel Moutier. More, you know, when I talk about breakout, I don't think that he's just going to immediately take over minutes from Gary Harris and Will Barton. I'm kind of hoping and leaning on the fact that Denver still needs to make a couple more moves and that things will open up for him one way or another. Um, and whether that means Gary Harris leaving, Will Barton leaving, um, them trading Emmanuel Moutier and making Jamal Murray their starting point guard, you know, in tandem with Jameer Nelson. But he's somebody to watch for me because I think he has all the potential that somebody like Devin Booker had last year. And Devin Booker just backed his way into a lot of minutes. It was a trial by fire, and he, and he came out on top. And I think Jamal Murray could do just that and maybe even more if given the chance. Big question mark here, Shannon. Will he get the chance? I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Nuggets do, if they, which trades they make between now and the deadline. Um, it seems like they're really making a push to, make, to a playoff run this year. Uh, if that happens, it's actually worse for Murray's upside, right. I believe. Yeah. Now, that might not be the case. They could also go, you know, maybe lose seven of nine games and be completely knocked out of the playoff race. And from there, you know, he's cut loose. You know, he's going he's gonna to get the run that he needs to be a breakout player. 
Um, a couple guys that you and I both have listed, DJ, Terrence Ross and, and Nurkic. You know, with Ross, there's a good chance he might start for Orlando. I don't think they've come out and committed to that yet, but he might get a lot of run at the two and the three for them as a starting small forward. He's a three-point shooter. That's what they need. So it would be interesting to me. He's definitely going to have more opportunity than he did in Toronto. Um, and, then, and then Nurkic, I expect him to be the starting center for the Blazers for the rest of the season, um, especially after right? getting some practice in here over the All-Star break. Yeah, why not, right? I mean, they've got nothing to lose, and Plumley has a lot of minutes. They, they know what they're getting in Davis. They know what you're getting in. Uh, who's your favorite boy over there in Portland? Myers Leonard. I don't know what you yeah. guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy is just has not been working out. But I agree. Uh, a couple years ago, I think now, uh, Nurkic saw some time at the end of the year as a starter. And what he did is he helped sure. out across all categories, not three-pointers, of course, but steals and blocks. His, in his first game, his, his debut for Portland, he had three blocks and a steal. And he's one of those players, you know, that he's going to fill it up across the board. And I think when we talk about breakout players for the last second half of the season, 25 games or so, not quite technically, technically the second half, Nurkic has to be the poster boy for this discussion. I mean, he's going to be the one that is going to swing fantasy rosters and fantasy championships one way or another. If maybe you were hanging on to him for some reason or you you managed to pick him up, I think he's the one that's going to give you top 60-level production moving forward for the rest of the season. And he's still available in 38% of Yahoo leagues. So if you're in Yahoo league, he's sitting out there. I don't care if it's an 8- or 10-man league. There's someone you can drop for him. He's a legit double-double threat with steel and block potential. Shannon, you have a different center that I'm a little surprised to see. Please explain uh, the Milwaukee center you've got listed. Yeah, Greg Monroe, you know, he's not, he hasn't moved into the starting lineup, but he's the guy who's going to step up. And the, the caveat here is he could still get traded. It's possible he gets moved before the deadline. But uh, it's interesting to see what the Bucks do. They've actually played well. They've won three games in a row, and a big reason for that is – is A, you've got Chris Middleton back, and B, Monroe's getting more minutes because of the Jabari Parker injury. Over those past three games, Monroe had the past two games, Monroe has 25 points in each, 13 rebounds, eight rebounds. He gets you steals. I actually, you know, season long, he's only averaging 11 and a half and seven. I bet you he's closer to like, 18 and 12 the rest of the, or I'm sorry, 18 and 10 the rest of the way. Well, I want to give you a lot of credit, Shannon. When we talked about who is going to step up in the absence of Jabari Parker, I was really quick to mention Beasley. You know, me and Ken were really quick to mention Beasley, which has actually worked out, Toledovich. Um, but you were the one and the only one I, I really heard talking about Monroe. And you were reminding us all that he can play power forward. Um, and when Thon Maker is out there, Monroe essentially plays center and Maker plays power forward. Um, and we're seeing that come to fruition. I think you were absolutely dead right in suggesting that he would benefit perhaps even more so than anybody else. And it sounds well, like frankly, if they're ever going to deal Monroe, if they're ever going to deal Monroe, they got to highlight him. They got to give him some minutes. They got to show that he still has something to offer. Got to showcase him. Yep, that makes yeah. a whole lot of sense. Uh, so Monroe has been performing well, but somebody you have as a breakout player, uh, another player that was traded to me. Uh, thank you, Ken, for that one. He was a toss-in <laughs> that turned out to be pretty good. Michael Beasley. Um, pretty much, I'm assuming, for the same reasons as Greg Monroe, you yep. think he could be a breakout player moving forward. Well, especially if you need points. Uh, uh, be, and actually, he's gotten some blocks the last few games, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beasley could have a ton of minutes just because Parker's out um, for all those reasons you list mentioned. I think the other guy I want to mention for deeper leagues, Kelly Olenek, the clinic. It's on a contract year. Last 14 days, he ranks 58th on CBS. Let me give you his last five game stats. He's been double digits all of his last five games. He has averaged... 16 points, seven boards, 2.2 made threes, half a steal, half a block, and 65% from the field. I don't think he's going to keep shooting that well, but this is a contract year for him. He's always been uh, uh, um, he shot, he's shooting 52% for the year. They're slowly giving him more and more minutes instead of Amir Johnson. He's still coming off the bench, but they need his passing. He's always been a good plus minus guy in the field. Um, of course, we'll see if the Celtics ever do uh, pull off the big rumored trade that they, you hear about every deadline for years for them. But uh, Olenek is getting more minutes. What is he playing? He's been last five about games, 24. 27 and a half. Yeah, but actually last five games, 27 minutes a game. Yeah, he's been playing really well. He's been a good DFS pick the last seven to 10 days as well. 
Um, I like him as a breakout player because one, one of two things is going to happen. Um, either the Celtics don't make any moves and they keep running him out there because he's playing well, or they make a move and very good chance he would be part of the package yeah. and he could go right. to a team where he could get even more run than he's getting Some now. Minutes. So and remember, uh, shoulder injury uh, slowed him down and he missed a bunch of games at the beginning of the season. And frankly, I don't think he was ever fully healed or recovered from that when he was playing. So another reason why this upside, current upside is legit. Well, okay, Here, here's me coming in to play devil's advocate. We've seen this kind of run from Kelly Olynyk before. Like this is nothing new. We've seen him put a five, six, seven game stint along, and then yeah. guess what? It's time for Amir Johnson to come in and play a bunch of minutes. Guess what? It, it's time for you know pick your player from the past front, uh, Celtics front court. It sounds like you guys uh, sound more steady about Olynyk than I am right now, but. I don't want to be fooled because I've been fooled multiple times in the past on Olenek. Um, this is his fourth year in the league, and I feel like we go through this at points every single year he's been in the league so far. I don't well, want to be positives, fooled. You know, for some positives, still qualifies at center in most leagues, which is always the, the hardest position to fill. And, uh, you know, I did say deeper leagues here. This isn't, you know, this, he's not going to be LeBron James anytime soon, but... Uh, well, you know, I didn't want to just list the obvious ones, DJ. Come well, on. No, I, I mean, you're right. With this, I mean, he's you're you're completely right to to uh, project him to be a breakout player. I just feel like we've all been burned from him in the past, and I I, w- I want some reason, maybe why, like try to explain to me why why it's going to be different this time. That's the hard part for me. The, it's the Celtics have been he's he's been pretty good about eight out of the last twelve games. Over those twelve games, the Celtics are ten and two. You know, it, they're starting to. They're yeah. starting to push minutes or give give minutes away from Amir Johnson and, and Jonas Jurepko. Those guys aren't getting as many minutes now. They're going to Olenek. And I think Horford's groin injury is still lingering. Al's had some tough games of late. I you know now he's got the All Star break to nurse it, but I don't think his groin injury is a hundred percent. Groin injury. Right? Yeah, Sammy Malone. Sammy Malone bringing it home, round rounding home from last week's <laughs> podcast. That's going to do it, unless, Shannon, you have any other last-minute additions. Ken, do you have any other last-minute additions for a breakout player? Just my outro quote, brother. All right. Give it to us. All right. We're actually going to go to Major League Baseball and managing legend Whitey Herzog, the white rat, who said, quote, the only thing bad about winning the pennant is that you have to manage the all-star game the next year. I'd rather go fishing for three days. (laughs) Attention, passengers. This three-car fantasy train has hit the end of the 